Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Our world is upside down. It's upside down. They're not fulfilling this. But it doesn't say if they're not fulfilling this, then you don't have to respect them. And I do think that we need to clarify too, there can be a difference between respect for the office and respect for the person. And I think we're okay with that. There are plenty of people who occupy offices that I have no respect for. None. But I respect the office. Because it's a God-ordained position. So we can respect the office. Today's text tells us to submit ourselves to the government of this land. But what does that mean? Today, Pastor James clarifies this by showing the difference between respecting the office versus respecting the person who holds that office. We can respect the office of the presidency without respecting the person that is the president. We don't need to agree with the governmental policies, especially when they contradict the Bible. But let's submit ourselves to God first, and then, for His sake, submit to the law. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. get right into 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you don't mind, turn in there. We don't have a lot to cover today, but it's, it's going to be a fun one. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll pick up in verse 13. And I'll start off by saying, hello, my name is James and I have a problem with authority. No, this is when you say, hi, James, and then you, per- you announce to me your shortcomings, right? <laughs> this is how we do this, right? No? Um, okay. Yeah, it's just me today. All right, look. I don't have a problem with authority figures, per se. I have a real problem with people telling me what to do, okay? I'll say it like that, okay? Um, I don't know if you're like that, if you're like... You're exposing too much. Um, it, look, it's just the truth. Uh, the quickest way for you to get me to not do something is to tell me what to do, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Ask my mom. She had to put up with me for far too long. Ask my wife. There's this thing inside of me, and it's, this, it's sin, let's be honest. Um, it is sin. It's this, this rebelliousness that if like somebody tells me what to do, immediately I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's how I was raised. I don't know. I mean, yes, I was born into this world as a sinner, but there's, there's just something in me that is just like, uh, I don't like being told what to do. But I do respect authority. I do. I appreciate governmental authority and all that good stuff. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. It's respecting people in authority. This was a fun one for me to have to walk through this past week where I'm like, I don't like this passage at all. I would like to skip this one, but we don't do that here. We preach all passages of scriptures. But this is something that the Lord has been working on me for, for I'm 43, I think. Uh, I got saved at 19 for that long, for that long. There's a good rebelliousness, but there's a bad rebelliousness. And I have both. I have both, I think. But the Lord's been working on me with this, but my inner rebel really has nothing to complain about in this country that we live in, okay? I'm going to keep context as key within this passage of Scripture, because there is nothing that we are facing today 
that even compares to what these guys were facing back then. Let me say that, all right? I know we have issues. I know there's things within our governmental system that we don't like, we don't agree with. I understand that. But let's keep everything in perspective. None of us are being dipped in tar and being lit on fire for the emperor's joy and benefit right now. Okay? So we're okay. We're okay. I know I'm going to step on some toes today, and it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this just fine. But let's look at this. Verse 13. So it's really 13 through 17. I just want to address these, these kind of, they're not recommendations from Peter. These are commands in one sense of like submission. Okay, so the, the whole key theme to this next part is submission and how we as believers should, we should submit. We should submit. We don't like that word. We don't like that word because we think like, well, that means that I have to just like, you know, be a doormat, so to speak, for anybody and everybody to walk all over me. That's not what submission means. But as believers, as Christ's followers, we are to submit. Peter says it. Paul said it. Jesus modeled it. As church members, we should submit one to another. That's what Paul would say in Ephesians. Peter here is going to throw out different areas where we should be demonstrating this within our lives. And first off is to governing authorities. Verse 13, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. All, all. In the Greek, all means all. And I'm not even a Greek scholar, and I know that, right? So (laughs) all means all in the Greek. No, wait, where's the fine print, Peter? Where's the little sub note at the bottom? Like, where's the, uh, where's the all but this kind? All but that guy. It's all. Well, how dare the Holy Spirit tell us to do this? Well, you got a problem, take it up with him. First and foremost, okay? If you have issues with this, you take it up to the chief in command, and his name is Jesus. First and foremost. Now, I'm going to throw out some stuff. We're going to be okay. I want you to calm. I want everybody to take a deep breath. It's okay. This is a hot topic for us today, right? Because we went through two years of madness, right? Where our government, I think, was overstepping their reach, to be quite honest with you. Okay? And I think there's a lot of corruption within our government, honestly. And I think it's been there for quite a while. It's not a new thing, right? All forms of human government have their flaws, Some are definitely way more than others, but you have sinful human beings put into charge and given power. Oh, come on. Corruption's right behind it. Always. Submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. That's the ideal government, right? That's, that's how it should be, right? Punish the wrongdoers and give a good pat on the back for those who are doing it right and trying to do it right. But again, sinful humanity doesn't always equate to that, right? That outcome there. But here's Peter writing to a group of dispersed believers in the Asia Minor, the modern-day Turkey region of our planet right now, and they are all underneath the Roman government, head up by Nero, who probably was demon-possessed. This dude was nuts. He was absolutely out of his mind. Millions of Christians were persecuted by this guy, okay, because of him. He burned down his own city. Burned down his own city. He's nuts. He's insane. 
And he literally would dip Christians into or have them covered with tar and put them on poles so that he could race his chariot around his little racetrack while they were lit on fire to burn his lights for him. That's the context. This is what these Christians were dealing with at the time this letter was written. Now, some of those uh, extreme things, uh, persecution-wise, would happen a few, just a couple of years later. But they were already experiencing persecution. And Peter has the audacity to write to them, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and say, you need to respect these government officials. Can you imagine being a Christian back then and somebody shows up and reads that to you? And you're like, I'm sorry, what? Like, Peter, I I misheard you. Like, when do we grab our weapons? When is the revolt? There is no revolt. It's submission. But that's not fair. I don't know if it's fair or not fair, honestly. But I know this. This is not our home. Why are you fighting to the death for something that's not even your home? I'm not speaking about defending our country. Please understand me. I'm all for that. I love our military. I love guys who've laid their lives on the line for our freedom. I absolutely respect that. Absolutely. But I am talking to people who hold so fast to this world. So fast to this world. That's not even your home. It's not even your home. And again, this submission that he's talking about, it's not like this just blind adherence to this and that and everything that they say. That's not what he's talking about. Because there are some, I'm going to call them loopholes, okay? There are some loopholes to this. But from the get-go, Peter's like, you need to respect. You need to submit. You need to align yourself underneath them. But what if they're crazy? What if they're out of whack? What if their ways are anti-God, anti-Bible, and all that stuff? Well, there's some of your ways out. But as a nation, as a people who dwell as foreigners, we are foreigners. We're temporary residents here on this planet. We're called to submit. Jesus would even say it to some guys that came to him and questioned him about like, hey, uh, you know, should we pay taxes or not? He's like, show me, show me the coin. Who's, whose image is on it? Caesar's. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Pay your taxes. It's not even a problem with Jesus. Pay your taxes. It's the same for us. Pay your taxes. But I don't like what they're using my money for. Pay your taxes. Be good citizens. Good citizens. Why a good citizen? Because a good citizen, being a good Christian, a good citizen, that's the, your greatest apologetic to this world. Again, not as doormats. I know this is a hard one. Not as doormats. Standing for righteousness. Standing for what is right. And not giving in to this and, and all that or whatever, but standing firm for what is right and standing for holiness and all that stuff. But also, a, in the same way, we can still be good citizens, representing, we're representing Christ, our King. So here's Peter, and this government that he's talking about will, in just a few years, be the ones who will be crucifying him upside down. For the Apostle Paul, they'll be removing his head from his body. And both these guys, who are apostles, filled by the Holy Spirit, and writing this letter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, we need to respect these guys. We need to submit to them. 
And I'll remind you of the greatest example, and that is Jesus as he stood before Pilate. Jesus had a defense for himself of how he was drug into Pilate's presence through false accusations and false criminal trials. Criminal being not he was a criminal, but in the time frame in which they were holding these trials, went against their rules. Jesus had a case to make before Pilate, but he stood there silent. He stood there silent. And what we know from that is that messed up Pilate. This godless man, it messed him up. He's like, what's wrong with you? Why won't you fight for yourself? They're saying all this stuff. I know it's not true about you. That was Pilate's assessment of Jesus. Just being in his presence for a few hours, he knew you're an innocent man. Why won't you fight for yourself? Jesus is like, I don't have to. I don't have to. And he reminded Pilate too, he's like, you're not in charge because you have this much, you know, charisma or you got all these votes. You're in charge because God placed you here. Let's get it straight, Pilate. You're only in the position you're at because God allowed it to happen. So you think you're in charge. You're not in charge. All our world leaders who think they're in charge, they're not in charge. Please understand that. They are not in charge, but they're doing all these decisions. Look, God knows how to raise up kingdoms and bring them down. He's in charge. He's in charge. Now, I'll say this because we live in such a hostile political environment, I think. So I understand we're coming through elections and all that good stuff, but there are some application things you can do if you're upset with our current environment and political state, okay? Number one, you should be voting. You have freedom to vote. I mean, God has blessed us by living in this country, this nation where we have a right to express how we feel our country and leaders are doing by casting votes, right? Now, we hope those votes are getting counted, and not being like thrown away or multiplied for other parties or whatever they're doing. Uh, I hope my grandpa is still not voting, okay? Because he's been dead for like 20 years, but I don't know. Get out there and vote. Be a voice within the community to get other people to vote. Like that's, we like to just sit around and complain and, you know, and argue all the time. Like get out there, go door to door, encourage people to vote. If it's that big of a deal, and it should be. It's a freedom we have. The other thing is, if there's an uncontested seat or a seat available, run for office. Go for it. Pray about it. Ask, like, well, maybe the Lord would want to put you in that position to shine as a light in darkness, to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. There are many ways where we can combat this stuff. We have voices, you can vocalize those things, and you can do that in a respectful way, and praise God for that. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and I know days have passed, it was so good, and it was so much better, and all that good stuff. Look, they were sinners running the country back then too, right? I don't think all that glitters is gold. We live in a fallen world. And while we're residents here, and, and again, I, I think sometimes we just need a reality check to be like, you live in a free nation. There is a vast majority of the population of this planet that cannot make that claim. So let's embrace what we've been given and what has been fought for. And if we have issues with this or that, then let's do, do something about it. 
in a respectful way, a proper way that edifies believers, but also glorifies God. For the Lord's sake, submit. For the Lord's sake. I don't like this. Well, he didn't ask if he liked it. He says, for the Lord's sake. But it's not just for the Lord's sake. It's as a witness for all others. Whether the king is head of the state or the officials he has appointed for the king has sent them to punish. Here's the thing. This is what we would hope from our leaders is that they would punish the wrong, reward the right, right? Like that's what you want. Our world is, tip, it's just upside down. Like, oh, you committed a crime? Sweet. You can go. You can go. You just be free. You be free. Oh, you're protesting in front of an abortion clinic. Lock them up. What? What? That's nonsense. Oh, no, we'll make up a law. We'll make up a law. Well, that way we can just lock people up who are not a threat to society at all. At all. But we'll set free the ones who are a threat to society. Our world is upside down. It's upside down. They're not fulfilling this. But it doesn't say if they're not fulfilling this, then you don't have to respect them. And I do think that we need to clarify, too, There can be a difference between respect for the office and respect for the person. And I think we're okay with that. There are plenty of people who occupy offices that I have no respect for. No. But I respect the office. Because it's a God-ordained position. So we can respect the office. There's a bunch of knuckleheads. I don't know how they got into some of these places. I don't have any respect for them at all. Zero. I just don't. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm sorry. And you know my deal. My, my thing is, if you're pro, you know, murdering babies, you've lost all my respect. I just don't have respect for you. You're going after innocent life? Innocent life, I have no respect. I, I just don't have it. I respect the position, respect the office, but I still have to submit to our governing authorities. Still have to obey the law. And that's where I have some, you know, sometimes I have some issues with that. And I do my best to obey the law. You're like, well, hold on. What's he about to share? Um, I have gotten speeding tickets. Not as many as I deserve. I'll say that. I'll be honest. There have been times where I have been pulled over and accused of speeding. And I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't. And I want to argue. I want to defend my case. I'm like, so you're telling me the guy way down there got me on radar going 10 miles over the, over the speed limit, and I'm way down here, and I just turned onto this street, and I drive a four-cylinder Jeep or Angler. You're telling me I was speeding. I don't know if you know cars, but I, there was no way I was speeding, all right? I wanted to be like, show me the radar gun. Show me the gun. Show me where you got that. That's what I want. And my flesh was just like, oh, like, ah. Uh. All right, set my court date because I'm going to fight this thing. And then I have a lovely wife who's like, just let it go. Fine. You know what I did? I paid a speeding ticket. I paid the ticket. I listened to my wife's voice, which was really the voice of the Lord speaking through her. So like, James, let it go. Submit to those governing authorities. But I have a case. Let it go. Oh, that just, that still sits with me today. I'm like, oh, who was that officer? I just want a pastors and police breakfast. I'm like, is this guy here? Is this guy here? Like, where's this guy? I'm a pastor. No, I didn't even, I didn't even tell him that. I respect all police officers. I love police officers. I have friends, dear friends of mine who work in law enforcement. You know that they fit within this category. 
they fit within this category as well. We should, we should submit to that. We should show them respect that they're due. Even in a world where it's like, again, going back to that, punishing the wrong and, you know, honor to those who do right. And that's hard to do, especially when you have a, people within certain offices that want to defund police, which, hello, that makes no sense at all. Like, why is our crime rate rising? Oh, I don't know. It's because you defunded police. Like, one and one still makes two, okay? So they have a hard job, difficult job. All those civil servants, they have a difficult job. And I, I respect every, all of them, whether it's police officers and fire department and all that stuff. Like, we, we should... We as Christians should make their job easier. We should make their jobs easier. Verse 15, it says, it's God's will. Have you ever used this one to help clarify the will of God in somebody's life when they ask you? I just don't know what God's will is for me. Have you ever gone to 1 Peter chapter 2 and, and use this one? Probably not, right? Probably not. This is one of those verses where it's pretty explicit and like, this is God's will. What's God's will? Well, this is part of it says it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make false accusations against you. So through your righteous living, your holiness displayed through how you live and act and work and all that good stuff, that's the best way to silence the fools. Sometimes it's the best way to be a good citizen. It's to live an honorable life. You shouldn't have that thing when you see a police officer drive by where you're just like, your heart rate goes up, right? <laughs> like, we all know. My first thing, I look at my speedometer, right? Because I got history, okay? I got history. I'm like, well, okay, where am I good? I'm good, all right? And then most of the time, too, I'm like, just keep looking straight. Just play it cool, man. Just play it cool, right? So they're not even looking for me, but whatever. This is just my past. But we should live as those who are like, I don't live in fear of police officers and things like that. Because I'm not doing anything wrong. And again, our goal as temporary residents and citizens of this planet is to make their jobs easier. To make their jobs easier. But let me throw out these things. What if those who are in charge begin to ask us to do things that are contrary to what we hold fast to? Then you disobey. Woo, yeah, you're like, I'm waiting for it. When's he going to tell me? Okay, look, you have, you have an out. You have an out. And you can go back into the book of Exodus. We went through the book of Exodus, and there were Hebrew women giving birth to babies, and Pharaoh's instruction to the midwives was, hey, when they have a baby, if it's a boy, you kill it. You kill it. And praise God for those midwives who feared God and who lied to their boss. And they're like, oh, these Hebrew women are, man, they're like nobody else. They shoot that baby out and they're right, like, we can't even keep up with them. Those midwives were not willing to take the innocent life of a child, even though it was a government rule. It came from the king, it came from Pharaoh. They disobeyed the law in order to obey a higher law. There's your out. If our government starts to ask you to do things that are contrary to the gospel or contrary to what God has stated within his word, you don't have to obey that. You don't have to obey that. In the book of 1 Peter, you hear a lot about suffering. 
Our own suffering is something that we have to work through. And Peter reminds us that Jesus suffered too. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. A few verses later it says, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. What Peter's getting at in these verses is that as a Christian, you're going to suffer persecution. But Jesus wasn't exempt from suffering either. In fact, he was treated worse than anyone, although he was without sin. Imagine being completely guiltless, faultless, sinless. It just seems so wrong for Jesus to have been falsely accused the way he was. May you find strength and courage in the fact that Jesus suffered at the hands of brutal and mean-spirited men. He knows what you're going through right now, and you can turn to Jesus for comfort and help. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle here on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear additional messages like this one, go to breadforthebroken.com. Thanks so much for listening to today's teaching here in the book of 1 Peter. We'll be back next time with more as the Apostle Peter speaks some encouraging words that our souls will want to hear. So come back again next time to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.